0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death construction, in the fields of bodies burning machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning their brainwash minds. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. To analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live from 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. The program is also podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3 cr Dot org dot A-U. are you ready are you ready I've had a few biblical experiences in the last few weeks and uh, I've gone back to the Old Testament how do you like that the uh, the book that has determined uh, a lot of things that happen on the planet Earth there's an interesting chapter in the Old Testament about Abraham and Abraham God asks Abraham, "I think it's to sacrifice his son Isaac, to prove his devotion to God, and as Abraham is about to you know kill his eldest son, Isaac, an angel comes down from God and holds his hand and I'm thinking to myself, we find ourselves in a similar position today in 2022 has the call for war heightens and over the last few weeks we have seen that call for war intensified in the rhetoric not just in this country in the US, but China and the list goes on and on. So are you ready? Are you ready to sacrifice your children and your friends and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren on the altar of Mammon? Are you ready to sacrifice yourself for the God, Queen and Country Brigade? And if you look at human history, Most of the death and destruction that's occurred through various cultures and peoples is destruction and death and the death of hundreds of millions of people over the centuries and millennium is about sacrificing yourself for some external authority, for some mythical god, for some divine ruler, for some piece of land. And you really think of it, you look at the situation in the Ukraine and you look at the situation in Yemen and you look at the situation in various other parts of the world and you think to yourself, what's this all about? And this brings me to the eternal question. What's it all about? Not in terms of philosophical, ideological, but why are so many people so willing to sacrifice themselves and their brothers and sisters on the altar of Mammon? Because some ruler, some leader some government determines that this is the price that needs to be paid in order to maintain them in their position of authority. And it's quite interesting that if you look at World War II and the aftermath of World War II in Western Europe and Australia and people think Churchill... He led the English to this amazing victory, obviously, with the help of the USA. So why did the British people turn their back on Churchill after the war? It's very simple. So many lives were sacrificed. The people wanted something in return. And when returned servicemen and women came back to Australia and found themselves living in tense cities, in public parks, botanical gardens and sporting fields because there was no housing available for them where they'd made the ultimate sacrifice. That's where that, the beginning of that public housing struggle began. And then when we look at the wars that Australia has been involved in from the Boer War before the nation was created to now you'll find the great majority were wars which have been fought on other people's lands, for other people's rulers, for some god or mythical ruler. Just extraordinary. There is one exception. And that exception is the Papua New Guinea campaign in the Second World War, where the Chocos were able for the first time to actually defeat the Japanese imperial forces in a land battle. So who were the Chocos? Well, what happened during World War II is most of Australia's troops were involved in the African and European campaigns. They're out there defending the motherland. And when the Japanese imperial forces, the fascist forces, captured Singapore and turned their attention to Australia, there was a huge shortage of soldiers. And young men, usually between about 18 and 22, were quickly inducted, conscripted into the army given two months basic training and sent into the New Guinea jungles in order to stop the Japanese advance and the older troops who were the rats of Tobruk and older troops who were stuck in Europe and North Africa labelled these men as chocolate soldiers they would melt in the sun but it was these chocolate soldiers which didn't melt in the sun who eventually defeated the Japanese Imperial Force's thrust into Northern Australia because they were defending their families and their way of life. That's what they were defending. So any, this talk of war, this talk of sacrifice for the God, Queen and Country Brigade, this talk of sacrifice to maintain the status quo in this country, where 1% own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, has been exceptionally successful. As people are whipped up into you know, this hysteria, this hysteria that somehow we have to be involved in wars outside this country's borders, in order to protect this country. Currently, 2% of the gross domestic product is used to uh, bolster the Australian Armed Forces. And most of that investment is not in protecting this country, but most of this investment is in protecting US, US interests outside this country. So if we're really serious about defending this country from external invasion, then wouldn't it be sensible to tailor a defence strategy that revolves around protecting the country, not projecting our ambitions outside our national boundaries. And if people say, well, in order to do that, you may have to spend 5% of the gross domestic product, so be it. Because there are many people in this country, there are many, many, many corporate leaners, and I'll talk about them later on, who don't lift a finger to do anything uh, to benefit the people of Australia so are you ready well I'm not ready and I can't see an angel coming down to stop Abraham a, 20 sec, a 21st century Abraham from slaughtering his children because if you continue along this path this belligerent aggressive path where we are not talking about national defence, but talking about extrapolating power out of this country, then we deserve everything we get. And if we as a people fall for this propaganda, we're stupid. Because it's not like the good old days where they had to bring the warships here in order to invade the country. As we see in the Ukraine, as we see around the world, as we see in Yemen, all it takes is the press of a button for missiles to do extraordinary damage. And because we live in the South Pacific, does not mean that we are immune from that type of attack. And if you think I'm making you know, to do about, much to do about nothing, think again. Think of the change in rhetoric. Think of the way we are forming alliances. Think of the way we're rattling sabres. Think of the way we're trying to, as a people, create this climate of a national emergency. And think of the way that if war did start, how little we spent on defending... This land. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. If you think I'm a pacifist, I'm not. I'm a great believer in self defence and have always been. As I say to people, I'm happy to talk to anyone until they punch me in the face. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. We live in interesting times, don't we? But the thing is, these interesting times are regurgitate. Regurgata- reg- <laughs> can't even say it. You've you vomited them over and over again. It's the same story. Now, if you give money to the poor, you divest yourself of your worldly, um, you know, riches, and you give them away. You're a saint. And there's lots of saints around there and I'm sure they do the best they can. But if you tell the poor and the marginalised, the disenfranchised, why they find themselves in this situation, the land of milk and honey, then you're a terrorist. Simple, isn't it? As long as you're willing to fill the gaps... As long as you're willing to act as a fall, a fallback position in terms of looking after people's interests on a personal level, it's acceptable. You can get a tax deduction if you, you know, you give it to a registered charity. It's the nice thing to do. It's the good thing to do. But if you put up your hands and you say, excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir, yes, yes, little Joe, what do you want? Well... Aren't all this poverty we come across, and these people, homeless people we've got to walk over, and all these people are having trouble paying their bills, and all these people that are you know that can't you know can't run their small businesses because of unfair competition from the corporate sector, isn't this due to the fact that we have a society where wealth and power is concentrated in the hands of a few? I mean, I normally start off the program by defining anarchism. I haven't today for a very good reason, because I want to define it now. Because anarchism, or anarchy, or anarchism, is about devolving power, that's sharing power, and holding wealth in common and sharing wealth. And why is it about that? Because it's inequalities in power and wealth which give the, the uh, God, Queen, and Country Brigade the ability to sacrifice your children on their altar for their alter ego so what are you going to do are you going to be one of these people that's going to smooth the pillow of a dying race or you're one of these people who's going to demand justice for what is occurring in this country not just to First Nations people but to many sections of our society And with increasing interest rates and increasing inflation, and governments which rely totally on the private sector to provide services, then what are you going to do? Are you going to put putty? Are you going to, like the little boy, you know, you're going to put your finger in the dike? The little boy in the, the fairy tale, the Dutch fairy tale, put your finger in the dike to stop the water for a few hours? Are you going to patch up the dyke or are you going to change the whole system? Because it's not individual failure which causes many people to find themselves in a difficult situation. Obviously, individual failure can be a reaction to the fact that you can't meet your commitments both on a physical and psychological basis. But that individual failure is not the reason. It is a symptom of a system which is based on inequality, structural inequality, inequality which is enshrined in the law and the courts, inequality which is enforced through the police and the armed forces. It's no accident when the Paris Commune occurred in Paris in 1871, when the people of Paris rose up against their masters and rose up against the German armies which were defeating, which were uh, besieging Paris, it's no accident that the Russian ruling classes and the Germans came together to suppress the Paris Commune, in a brutal manner, because this was a commune based on direct democratic principles, a commune which was based on sharing wealth. And It's no accident that when the commune was eventually overrun, that every man was lined up and that every tenth man was executed on the spot, and this was in 1871. And there are pictures, if you don't believe me. So, when ruling classes are challenged, it's no accident. They come together. And that's why it's important that we, as a people and as human beings, stick together. So, if you give your money to the poor, I'll give you a sainthood. But if you stand up, if you stand up and explain to people, why they find themselves in that situation, that it's not a matter of personal failing. That personal failing is a symptom of the problems that face individuals and communities. And the ultimate goal is to break down hierarchy and whole wealth in common so that we can all enjoy a little bit of honey and a little bit of milk in the Promised Land. And obviously, if you're a vegan, you can't enjoy either one. Sorry for the bad joke. All right, listen to the Atticus Will this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on, on via the Community Radio Network. It's streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, let's move on. Did you know that only one in three of this country's mining giants paid any tax in the last 12 months and the beauty is they did it legally one in three and those that did pay tax basically made a voluntary contribution so let's join the dots because see We're conditioned not to join the dots. We're conditioned to respond to the symptoms, not remove the problem. And that's why you have investigations like in northern New South Wales which says the government of the day and government instrumentalities failed the people of northern New South Wales during the recent floods. And every time we have a Royal Commission, there's major failures. Major failures on behalf of the state. And when we hear about people dying because ambulances can't get there in time, you know, we tend to point the finger at the ambulance Mm. service or you point the finger, you know, at the doctor who made that error. Because they're working 100 hours a day, sorry, 100 hours a week in a public hospital setting, which is grossly understaffed. And when you can't get that operation you've been waiting for for three or four years on the public list, you start jumping up and down. That's if you can jump up and down and blame the hospital. And when the dollars you've got in your pocket, if you're a social security re- recipient, don't go far enough. You blame the other, you know, the migrant, the refugee, the asylum seeker, the person who wears a funny hat or a thing on their heads. And when you're shortchanged at work, you blame that particular employer. We tend to blame the people that are closest to us because it's easier. It's easier. You don't have to think. You see, you lash out. But why do we find ourselves in this situation, in this land? Why do we find ourselves in this situation? Now, I know I repeat this every week, but I'm going to repeat it again. There's only 25, I think, 0.4 million people living on this continent. You know, you go to Bangladesh, was it over 130 million people, and they've taken in a million refugees in the last few years from Myanmar. We still incarcerate our refugees nine, ten years after they landed on the shores looking for a new life. Think about it. Why? Why, why, why? Why do we have one third of the population living on social security benefits which barely above the poverty line if not below the poverty line? Why do we have an increasing number of working poor in this country, people who work their butt off but get paid so little they can't even meet their financial commitments at the end of the year. Why are rents so high and housing prices have escalated to extraordinary degrees? If you compare housing prices from 1970s, the mid-1970s, to now, in some sections of the country they've increased 40-fold. Now, wages haven't increased 40-fold. Why do we find ourselves in a situation where housing has become a significant issue? In the 60s and early 70s, one individual working in a family in a job could pay off a house in seven years. Today, we have intergenerational mortgages moving from one generation to the next Why is there never enough money for public schools? Never enough money for public hospitals? Never enough money for pensions? Never enough money for the essentials in life? Why during disasters do, are people forced to fend for themselves in the majority of cases? Especially, especially if it's an individual fire or disaster. Why can't people access dental care? The list goes on and on. I could, I could you know, talk about this for the next 20 years and I'd still be talking about it. Why, 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 why? Well, it, it's simple, isn't it? It really is simple. You don't need a PhD in political ideology. You don't even need to go to primary school. It's very simple. If I've got a cake... I'm at a birthday party and there's this wonderful cake, you know, cream and strawberries, all the bad things in life, Well, the good things when you're young and the bad things as you get older. And I start dividing that cake. And there's a 100 guests at the birthday party. Yeah, it's a big birthday party. There's a 100 guests and there's one cake and everybody's hungry because there wasn't enough hors d'oeuvres. And the barbecues failed and the, you know, and everybody's a vegan and nobody wants the meat. So there's a cake without cream, if you're vegan, obviously. There's a cake, and I need to divide it. There's a hundred people there. Now, I'm not Jesus Christ. I can't, you know make something out of nothing. You know, the five loaves and fish, whatever it was, that particular parable in the uh, New Testament but I am Joe Toscano and I do have a knife and I've got a cake in front of me and I've got 100 people. And I say, look, I am going to divide this cake in a way to reflect your financial status in society today. And I cut out 40% of the cake, a big piece, 40%. Almost two-thirds. That's almost over a third of the cake. And i give it to Harry. Because Harry's got a lovely share portfolio. He's got a brilliant accountant. Harry doesn't pay tax or pays minimal taxation legally. He's a guest here. We're not going to, you know, abuse him for that. And so he gets 40% of the cake. Then... There's all these other people. It's about there's about thirty-five people there. They're looking a little bit hungrier than normal. Not as well dressed as Harry. There's Maud and there's Florence and there's Jack and there's Jill. They're all there. And I get one per cent of the cake and I cut it out of the cake with my little knife I cut it out exactly I've got my little quadrant and I work out what percentage and I say here this is your cake enjoy it now obviously Harry's going to enjoy that 40% he's going to get fat on it but everybody else the 35 people who get the 1%, well, they're all going to be hungry, aren't they? And they're all going to have the problems which are associated with hunger. So it's a simple analogy. Inequalities in wealth create health issues, both physical and mental. You don't need to be a genius to realise that. And inequalities in power ensure... That the cake will never be equally divided amongst the people that live on this continent and on this planet. And if you tell this to people, they think, oh, oh, uh-uh, oh. Uh-uh. And the tragedy in this country is. It's not that people are apathetic. A lot of people say Australians are apathetic. Now, look, I I meet a lot of people and I make it my, you know, it's a job of mine. I like meeting people. I meet a lot of people from many different sections of society. And on a one-to-one basis or, you know, in conversation, people are not apathetic. People are aware of the situation they find themselves in. But the problem is people are resigned. Resignation to the situation is the major political issue we face today. People are resigned to the idea that that's the way it is and that's the way it will always be and if I put my head above the parapet, it's going to be cut off or shot. They're resigned to the situation. And they're resigned to the situation for one very good reason. Because we live in a society which is based on myths. The myth of nullius. The myth that we live in an egalitarian community, the myth that everybody has the same opportunities as un- only if if they work hard. The myth that we have constitutional rights as far as freedom of speech, freedom of association is concerned. The myth that we have a wonderful world-class number one health system, education system. This is on, a, on the public sector the myth that corporate Australia pulls its weight. And the reality is totally different. And this reality has become more stark during the last 40 years when we as a people have supported the deregulation, privatisation corporatisation, globalisation, agenda, which has been fed to spoon-fed to us because we believe that this is the way forward. And as a people, we've accepted it. And now when we find that the chickens are coming home to roost as far as these policies are concerned, we're resigned. We believe you can't fight city hall. You can't change human nature. And somehow people think that anarchism or a struggle against inequality is a struggle to change human nature. It's not a struggle to change human nature. Human nature is human nature. And I'm an anarchist because I understand what human nature does. If you just look at the Historical examples as people who think they're descended from gods, oppressing their own population as well as the populations they conquer. And what allows individuals like Putin and individuals like, uh, you know, around the world who are in positions of leadership, whether they're dictators or whether they're elected, what allows them to determine the fate of billions of people outside their particular realm and within their own realm? What's well, it's inequalities in power and wealth. And the anarchist struggle is the struggle to ensure that the hierarchical divisions which give rulers the ability to determine the lives of other people are broken. So if a Putin gets, gets up and says, let's attack Ukraine... Everybody says, what for? Like Muhammad Ali said, what have, the Viet, what have the Viet Cong done to me? Why should I go and fight that war? What have they done to me? What have they done to my family? Think about it. It's extraordinary. So, what to do about it? Well, as I said, the first thing is, Resignation is worse than apathy. At least if you're apathetic, you can say, I didn't know. You can be like all those wonderful Germans in World War II who knew nothing about the concentration camp and the mass murders which are happening in Germany itself as well as outside of Germany. I didn't know. I didn't care. I didn't know. didn't matter. But when you're resigned... You're like a dog that's been cowed. You resigned to the fact that change is impossible. Now, I'm involved currently in a little campaign. And it's a little campaign. Now, I know there's a state election coming up in Victoria on the 28th of November. They come up with monotonous regularity for years. And most Victorians resign to the fact that, you know, not much is going to change but the reality is that things can change. And I'm involved, I'd like to be involved, not yet, I'd like to be involved in the campaign to see a policy shift in Victoria. A policy shift from the current construction blitz, which has been happening in Victoria over the last four years. And I understand why there's a construction blitz. You see things being built... You see railway crossings being removed and you think something is being done. It's about visuals. But satisfying human needs, basic human needs, is the type of policies where you don't actually see the physical manifestations of your of the policies, but you do change the climate and you improve lives for people. And I've been bitterly disappointed by the current Victorian Labor government in terms of them turning their back on the satisfaction of basic human needs through their privatisation policies Through their policies, which basically support construction corporations at the expense of most of the citizens of the state, and it's the same story around Australia in different state government areas. And the things I'm interested in is food security. Housing security through the extension of public housing. We've spoken about this ad nauseum. Public health care. Public health care. Especially with the increases, pressures on public health care through the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm interested in public education. When you've got private charities raising money to send Australian kids to public schools, so that they can actually enjoy all the possibilities. Because if, if their parents haven't, or guardians haven't got the, enough money, there are many activities they're, they're barred from. You begin to understand there is something grossly wrong with this society. When you look at the way small business is treated in this state and in this country, as as far as the corp- corporate wealth is concerned and corporate competition is concerned, you begin to think there is something grossly wrong in this state and in the country. And the concept of recreation, there are people in our society who never, never, never get a holiday, not even an internal holiday, and never will, because they're living a hand-to-mouth existence. So I'm not stupid enough to think that if I personally stand in the electorate of Mulgrave as an independent and Mulgrave is is an electorate in Melbourne which covers Mulgrave and Springvale, two very diverse suburbs and the local member since 2002 is the current Premier, Mr Daniel Andrews. I'm not stupid enough to think that I would win that seat I'd be lucky to get 2 or 3%. Maybe a bit more for a little bit of assistance. But I am interested in seeing a policy shift on putting pressure on the state government to change their policies, to change their privatisation policies as far as public housing is concerned, their privatisation policies as far as public health is concerned. To do something about food security not leave it in the hands of privately run charities who do the best they can in difficult circumstances. To put in place put in place legislation which protects small business and legislation which allows people to attend a public school and be involved in all the facilities of that public school. And I want to see New taxes have been put in place in, at a state level to fund this because this is the problem. There are many, too many corporate leaners in our society. I'll give you an example, and this is just one simple example from the last 24 hours. Now, we all know that aged care workers are paid a pittance, a bloody pittance. And the, this government, the current level, Labor, federal Labor Government, to its credit, recognises they're paid a, a pittance. And they, they would like to see wages increase by about 20%, which is about $5 an hour. Not a huge amount, but $5 an hour. Significant amount to people working in that sector. Now, John Howard, the old people's friend, <laughs> I say laughing, privatised the aged care sector. His government put in place legislation which allowed the aged care sector to be manipulated and corporatised. Now, guess who's going to pay for that wage increase? Is it the private owners of aged care sectors which are found to be totally inadequate by the Royal Commission last year? Or is it the taxpayer? It's the taxpayer that's going to pay for the wage increase. Can you imagine that? The taxpayer is going to pay for the wage increase because the private sector is going to say, Oh, we're going to have to close down because our profits aren't big enough. Now there are areas in the provision of care and services the private sector cannot handle, and aged care is one of them. So this is corporate welfare. Then we have mining companies, and only one third paid tax last year. One third, and some want a huge transnational corporations who won't be paying taxes for decades. You know, and you and you understand why, and that's the key about this program, the Angus World this week, is to point out why, and the fact that we shouldn't be resigned to the fact. That this is the way it is. If 300 years ago, religious, you know, um, Protestants, the Quakers, didn't initiate a struggle against slavery, slavery would still be the dominant feature of our society. We'd be resigned to the fact there are slaves and free people. But obviously... People at a particular point in time said enough is enough. So they weren't resigned to the fact that this is the way it's going to be. I'm not resigned, and you're not resigned, or you wouldn't be listening to this program, you're not resigned to the fact that this is the way it's always going to be and nothing will ever change, that it's all about human nature and you can't change human nature. What a load of garbage. History is littered with examples of people who've broken through And attempted, against great odds, to create an egalitarian community. And if you look at the situation in North and East Syria, the autonomous zone in North and East Syria, now, today, in the midst of war, in the midst of constant drone attacks from Turkey, they are attempting to create something different based on egalitarian principles. They're not resigned to the fact that it's got to be like this all the time. So, currently, we're testing the waters to see if there's any interest. Now, everybody may be resigned to the fact there may be no interest in campaigns to, you know, share the burden, tackle the problem of basic human needs in our society, just leave things the way they are, Maybe that's that's the lie of the land, and that's the lie of the land. But I'm personally testing the water. And I'm testing the water because public interest before corporate interest has not been registered as the Victorian political party before the election. So we either resign at the fact we do nothing or we do something. Because what I'm doing, you can do in any electorate in Victoria. So I am looking currently, and the key word is looking, not prophylistising, but looking for people in the electorate of Mulgrave, which is bounded by Fern Tree Gully in the north, Heatherton Road in the, Fern Tree Gully Road in the north, Heatherton Road in the south, the south-east tollway and Dandenong Creek in the east and Westall Road in the west, about 50,000 people, about 25, 30,000 homes. Now if you know somebody living in that area who is not resigned to the fact that change is impossible, who wishes to be part of this campaign, who would love to nominate me to stand against the Victorian premier, Mr. Daniel Andrews, well I'll doing a few things. They can either turn up today, which is the 10th of August. I'll be outside the Springvale railway station from twelve till two. And I'll be there next Thursday. Sorry, next Tuesday, which is the sixteenth from that of August, from seven to eight PM. And I'll be there again next Wednesday from twelve till two. And I'm interested in meeting local people. It's not about us knocking on doors, it's about people coming to us. Because people have to feel there is a need for a policy shift, and this is a campaign about policy f- f- shift. We'll talk more about it next week. Let's move on. <clears throat> Saudi isn't it interesting as the oil as the race for oil? decreases as we move from a fossil fuel economy to a renewable energy world, the Saudi feudal monarchs, the liquefiers, have got a problem. Now, they make the Taliban look like school children. kindergarten kids, but they're our people. You know, we support them. President Biden was there a few weeks ago. We love them. But, guess what they're doing? They're trying to set up alternative sports. And like the South Africans did during the apartheid period, they're offering people bucket loads of money to join. And many, or a few, or even many, Australian cricketers, T20 cricketers, and Australian golfers are now joining them one problem means you need to watch it so why don't you boycott those players why don't you stop stop watching that shit because this is the Saudis way of surviving not the country of Arabia I mean, the word Saudi is just the name of a particular family which rules the Arabian Peninsula. So they're hoping to set up alternative competitions which they control by giving these players heaps of money. Well, there is a price to pay. If you lie down with dogs, don't complain if you've got fees, fleas. All right, let's move on. Now, on the 11th of September, we'll be having the regular three-monthly Gathering of the West Papua and Rent Collective and Supporters. It's 838 Collins Street. We've got guests. Uh, lunch starts at 1 p.m. It's a Sunday, the 11th of September. So why have I been involved as a convener of the West Park and Rent Collective in the last eight years? Why did my late uh, wife, Ellen Jose, and myself initiate the West Papua Rent Collective. Now, I'll give you a few little examples because every few months we always need new members for the West Papua Rent Collective. Now, I know you're all shocked by what's happening in Ukraine. I know you're shocked by what's been happening in Yemen for the last four years. I know you're shocked by what's happening in Syria in the last 10 years. And I know you're shocked by the sabre-rattling regarding the China currently and the effect it could have in this country. But let's look at something close to our hearts. West Papua is 63 kilometres from Australia, so it's our near neighbour. In the last 60 years since Indonesia took over West Papua, over 500,000 West Papuans have died directly and indirectly as a result of West Papu- of, uh, Indonesian military occupation. If you're a West Papuan, you can be jailed for up to 10 years for having a West Papuan flag sewn onto your, sh- you know, your shirt. There are West Papuans languishing and dying Indonesian prisons today. West Papuan armed resistance continues to exist in the highland regions of West Papua. Today, there is one Indonesian troop in West Papua for every adult male there are over 220,000 Indonesian troops stationed in West Papua. There are less than 250,000 adult males, West Papuan males, in West Papua. The West Papuan population is a little over one million. Over the last 40 years... Over a million Indonesians have been migrated, in inverted commas, to West Papua, given free land, which was owned by the West Papuan people. The Australian government and opposition have refused to recognise the atrocities that occur in West Papua, but are happy to recognise the atrocities that are occurring in other parts of the world more than happy to recognise those atrocities. So the West Papuan office is pivotal to the West Papuan independence struggle. Let's not forget that the Australian government provides hundreds of millions of dollars of training to Indonesian troops which are brought across to Australia who are trained in the the most sophisticated ways to uh, counter a guerrilla struggle and then these same troops are sent back to West Papua to continue the oppressive situation in that country. The West Papua office is a pivotal office in the West Papua independence struggle in Melbourne. It is the only office that is actually conducting that struggle, so it's pivotal. For a miserable $1 a week, you can join the West Parkwood Rent Collective. Now, currently, if you go to your local cafe, you can pay 5 bucks or $5.50 for a nice hot cup of coffee. That means for the price of six cups of coffee in one month, that's one and a half cups a week, you can actually join the West Parkwood Rent Collective and keep this independence struggle float continuing. now we pay the rent they conduct their struggle in the way they see fit that's been our motto 11th of september think about it thank you for listening to the anarchist world this week broadcast across australia by the community radio network this program has been streaming on 3cr.org.au the program is podcast you can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au you can leave messages, especially if you're interested in the Mulgrave campaign, on 39 395 489. You can e- email us at uh, info at anarchistage at yahoo.com or uh, info at pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You can join public interest before corporate interest online. Go to pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You'll be listening to this program courtesy of the Community Radio Community Radio 3CR, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program is broadcast across Australia. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. And remember, the lesson of the day, resignation is worse than apathy. Thank you once again for listening to the anarchist world this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. An analysis you will never hear anywhere else. Anarchist Wall This Week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10 AM every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist Wall this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events wash my hands Oh, Lord, yeah. oh.